We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder, Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower, and former Los Angeles Rams Defensive back Michael Stewart. We're here to look at this week three costly win for the Los Angeles Rams over the Los Angeles Chargers or the San Diego Chargers or however else you want to call them, whatever you want to say they are. But before we even get there, uh, first, I want to ask you to hey, head over to Spreaker. We just moved platforms on Spreaker. It's a brand new place for us. If you've been listening to us over on other places and you like Spreaker better, check it out, please. We're all still on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher iHeartRadio, Google Play, all those places, and soon we're going to be on Spotify. Actually, we might already be there. We'll find out tomorrow morning. Also, don't forget that iBeatRadio.com airs our show on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So that's the breakdown of where you can find us. 
But now we get down to the game. Initial thoughts, Norm. What'd you think? Well, like you said, it's kind of a bittersweet victory. You know, <clears throat> I mean, everything looked good out there until Marcus Peters got hurt. Then later on, you see Aqib Tlaib get hurt. You know, it worked out okay for us in this game, but, you know, we've got Minnesota coming in who's likely to be pretty pissed off after getting blown out today by the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, short week, so there's not a lot, a lot of time to heal. I think Peters is probably going to be out some extended time from what it looks like. And then, you know, we don't know much on Tlaib yet. And then even JoJo Natson got hurt too with his hand. So it, it's a pretty costly win for us. Hopefully we can uh, – continue with our next man up theory and and go out there and continue rolling hey mike you're you're a defensive back you've been there done that buddy how you feeling watching this game yeah i agree with norm overall it's just uh truly bittersweet uh but obviously you know at that level uh it's the next person in that's why you're on the squad uh you may not be the quote-unquote bona fide starter but when your number gets dialed up you got to go in there and perform so uh perfectly these guys will heal up pretty quick but the guys who will be taking their place will you know do their job now over the course of your career how many injuries did you did you actually suffer how many games did you miss well the biggest uh was i broke a forearm and missed like six games uh and then other than that, I was pretty much uh, there their entire career. Uh, my last year had a bit of a foot injury, so there were some games I was inactive, but pretty much practice every day. They would make the call before the game if you were going to go that day or not. So uh, pretty fortunate to, to play a pretty healthy career throughout my 10 years. You know, I kind of blame this on you, Derek, because you've been talking all year about how deep our secondary is, and then <laughs> – you know, now look what happens. So it's kind of your fault. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. I, I would, I would, that was the saving grace for me as I'm watching both those guys going down, knowing how deep the secondary is. But, I mean, this right, you still have Nikhil Roby Coleman, who's best suited as a nickel guy, as now we'll start on the outside. Hopefully Troy Hill can go back to his pre-2018 form, that late 2017 form. I'm I'm concerned, especially with the matchup on Thursday. Hopefully, we can at least get Tlaib back. I, I I think you're right. Peters is going to be out for a while, but man, I'm worried. I guess because I'm the pessimist as is. I'm the podcast pessimist, and it really felt like on two hands, I'm watching one team that is special, that is a Super Bowl contender, and then you can feel all kind of just get swept away in a matter of one game. Now. That's over dramatic, I get it, but it's how it feels. So, well, we have Sam Shields, and you know, thank goodness we have him because he's got that veteran presence in there. He can come in and and probably take one of those spots, like you said, Mikel Roby Coleman. Uh, you know, he's going to have to step up his game a lot, and it's going to put more pressure on everybody not having Peters and Talib out there. So, you know, we didn't. And we didn't see the kind of sack totals I'd like to see from our defensive line. I still don't think they're to form yet, you know, for what we expect them to be. But, you know, we need them to put more pressure on the quarterback. Uh, our linebackers did pretty well today, but they're going to have to step it up too without those two guys bookending us, you know, and, and taking on those receivers on the outside. Michael, what was the mentality back when you were playing for guys who had to step up, you know, the guy who had to step in to replace you when you were hurt those few times you were hurt. What was 
the whole process for them and getting ready for that next game? Well, the process is the same for for all of us. You, you get a, a scouting report and game plan on uh, end of Monday. Uh, you're ready to go on Wednesday to start working on it. And so the expectation is whoever's in that starting lineup is uh, to perform at a high level. Uh, so it boils down to, you know, know your assignments and just making your plays when they come up. One of the things I noticed, and I don't know, I'd have to go back and look, but you look at kind of those injuries, especially with Akeeb, they were trying to kind of stop and not hit someone. So it looks to me like this whole targeting, getting fine thing, guys aren't flying around. You know, we were taught, hey, man, you got to be 101 miles an hour. You can't be trying to just hold up at the last minute. So you see a lot of guys trying to hold up, not really hitting uh, truly just a ton of arm tackling because guys are like, I am not putting my head anywhere near anything. I also look at, too, the, the Clay Matthews penalty today. He's been penalized, what, three or four times now this season already for roughing the passer? And especially this last one, it was a normal sack. He didn't make helmet contact. He actually turned his head to the side. It, how were you going to stop in that motion from you know not getting that penalty? And so I agree with yeah. you that we're seeing a lot of weird stuff, and it's probably affecting how these guys play. Both last week's Matthews hit and this week's hit were both perfect form tackles. And when when I when I saw the play, I just threw my hands up in the air and said, "They're turning this league into a bunch of you know wimpy players out there. This isn't football anymore. They've got to they've got to they got to do something because like like Michael said, there's people getting injured." Uh, I think in the long run, it's going to cost us more than it's going to help us. Well, all three of us are defensive guys. You and I both coach defensive football. He, Michael, you you play defensive football. Can this is there is there a, a middle ground here somewhere, Michael, to where we can still protect players but not have it mar the game so much? Well, I, I think that. You know, the message has been sent, but I I think they have to come back to a fine line between just going full speed because all this doubt in players' mind to me is just causing more trouble than it's worth. You know, if you you find a guy for, again, something that's legitimate, but the Clay Matthews are trying to make that an example, but it's like, okay, what is he supposed to do? Just two-hand touch? You know, or you let the guy he's a quarterback he's getting paid to be out there and yeah you don't want to see a guy get cheap shot but it's football you're going to get tackled so uh i'm just hoping that they can get to a quicker uh solution uh before this thing just kind of just goes goes wild all right guys so well i don't know what else to say about it it's, it's frustrating so let's move on to something a little more positive like, hey, L.A. Rams history. Folks, if you are looking for something new to read and you haven't read it yet, Jim Hawk's Hollywood Teen Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams is the story for you. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team between 1953 and 1957. Check out the son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com 
and on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's also available both in hardback and electronic form, both at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Oh, and yes, a paperback version is coming soon. So, if you're looking for a great story about L.A. Rams history, check it out. Hollywood's Team, Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. All right, Norm, you ready to go through these stats? You bet. All right. So, this is kind of an amazing game when you look at it overall as far as the numbers go on offense for the Rams. Jared Goff went 29 for 36 for 354 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, Phillip Rivers, 18 for 30, 226 and two touchdowns. So, you know, you kind of expect Rivers to have a good game being the veteran that he is. And I think we held him pretty well in check. Uh, Todd Gurley, 23 rushes for 105 yards, a touchdown and a fumble. Uh, Malcolm Brown came in and had five rushes for 42 yards and looked really good. Um, Melvin Gordon, we held him under 100 yards, 15 attempts for 80 yards and a touchdown. And Eckler came in for four rushes for 47 yards. As far as receiving goes, we had uh, Robert Woods go over 100 yards, 10 receptions for 104 and two touchdowns. Uh, Brandon Cook, seven receptions for 90 yards. Cooper Cup, four for 71 and a touchdown. Gurley had five for 51, and Higby had two really nice catches for 35 yards. Gerald Everett, one catch for three. And uh, we held San, or, <laughs> San Diego, Los Angeles. We held their receivers under 100 yards. Uh, no one had over 100. Williams had four for 81 and two touchdowns, so he was definitely their playmaker. Uh, let's see. Turnovers, we had a girly fumble, and we had a Jared Goff interception. And uh, Keenan Allen for the Chargers had a fumble, and Eckler had a fumble. So that's the turnovers. Uh, let's skip all the other stuff and go down to Sue had a sack. Westbrooks had a sack. Uh, Goff was sacked by Mebane. That was the only sack given up by the Rams. But if you look at first downs, total first downs for the Rams, 33. Total first downs for the Chargers, 16. Third down efficiency, 8 for 11, 72 yards, or 72% for the Rams. 7 for 13 for 53% for the Chargers. Total net yards, Rams, 521. Chargers, 356. Way too many yards to give up, but kind of understandable with what happened today. Uh, let's see. Anything else you want to look at? No, that's that, that's the just. Well, you said you said penalties, right? Uh, no, I didn't. But I can go to penalties. That's a big one. As soon as I, uh, we had six for sixty-four, most in the second half. Uh, Chargers had four for thirty. So overall, then the stats out there: Rams dominate offensively at least until turn middle. Live nights, man. These live pods that get you. In terms of total yards. Over 500. It's a good night. It's you wonder, gee, how can the score only be 35-23? Then we look at turnovers, we look at penalties, and then the injuries. Folks, the injuries today: Marcus Peters, he leaves the game with a calf ankle injury. No news yet. Hopefully, as we, as the show goes on, we'll be able to find more information. Aki Talib rolls his ankle. We have no idea how he's doing. And JoJo Natson, hand injury. So that's our news. Well, we don't know anything well, yet. One other stat, time of possession, Rams 34 minutes, 16 seconds, Chargers 25 minutes, 44 seconds. So those are the glaring ones. So, Michael, I want to ask you this question because a lot of the stuff I saw today was 
more on defense. Uh, what were your what were your takeaways from what you saw on the LA Rams defense today? Well, one of the things I definitely saw was uh, the technique with the outside corners, especially uh, a lot of technique. We call it bell technique, where you're in a semi position where you're off the guy, but you're turning and running before he takes off on the uh, second big touchdown, I think it was, to Mike Williams, the rookie. Uh, Peters was on top of him initially, but he didn't stay on top of him somewhat inside as though he was playing that he was going to get safety help. So when Mike Williams broke for the uh, kind of the skinny post area, he was wide open, and then it became a foot race. And so I think Mike also took the advantage of being a rookie and Peters may not have known what his actual game time speed is. And he made that big catch in the end zone, but it looked like the, the corners were playing a lot of uh, kind of outside technique and off of guys. Uh, but it looked like one of the adjustments Wade made was because initially it looked like Philip was really trying to get downfield, throwing it downfield. So they came out second half, especially and they start playing for the deep throw and making him throw underneath, and that's when Gates got involved. Yeah, you could – Derek, I can't hear you. Oh, geez. I am muted now. I mute myself. Okay. <laughs> well, that's, so, that's a positive. That's a game positive right there. <laughs> so, folks, in case you – this is our first live podcast for Spreaker, so we're <laughs> – the stuff we normally edit out, you get the full hijinks tonight, folks. And this is one of them. I had the, I had the mute button on. I'm an idiot. Okay, Michael. I also want to ask you from the from the defensive back perspective, the pass rush. At least from my point of view today, it was not as good as it normally should be or would be for the Rams. Did it affect the passing game at all, or am I just showing a little bit of my fandom here and thinking a little bit too close off? Well, I thought the pass rush was uh, pretty good. If you look at Phillip Rivers, he was throwing what we call in basketball, man, that guy is chunking. He's just throwing a ball up in the air. So a lot of those plays and catches, Phillip Rivers was just throwing. He's getting hit, and he just throws it up. And, you know, Gates made a good play on one, and uh, McCardell, Keenan made a, uh, another good catch. And they were some plays, uh, even on one of those long, long plays uh, that they didn't convert on, that he just was throwing it up, hoping the receivers making a play on the ball. But I think overall the pass rush was decent. They were they were getting pressure. They were making him throw off his back leg a ton. Uh, but he has some good receivers, and, and that's why he caught the NFL. You know, you have some, some experienced guys out there that are going to go out there and make plays. And But I think the fact that they had that 12, 13, 10-point lead, you know, guy misses the extra point, you know, helped them out down the stretch. The outside there, on the outside, especially in the intermediate routes where they were hitting the tight end a bit there, was there anything the defensive backs could do, the linebackers could do to try and fix that, or was that a timing thing? Because they were really nailing that, especially in the second and third quarter. Well, they were, but, you know, you defensively, one of the, the premises is we'll bend, but we don't break. So you can do whatever you want between the 10 and the 10, 
But now once we get inside the tent, we're, we're going to make you, we're going to stop you or hold you to three points. And so the Rams were able to do that a couple of times. You know, a lot of those routes underneath, typically they're going to be open. We call them getaway routes. I mean, they're just a quick hitter. You can't overplay one or the other, else it could turn into a really big play. So the key is you want to make the guy and then make the tackle. But, again, I saw a lot of guys just arm tackling, missing tackles. Uh, and I just I just feel because guys are trying not to get their shoulder pads or hit, head across the chest or whatever our, the way we tackle. And so you got experienced guys that are going to break those arm tackles. Okay, Norm, one of the biggest complaints we've had over the years has been penalties. And so far this year, and in large parts of last year, penalties weren't as much of an issue. They did hurt us down the stretch. Is this something to worry about, or are you thinking it's it's one of those things where it's just an off day? Matter of fact, this team made a lot of mistakes today, not just penalties, turnovers. What's your thought process there? Well, my first thought is that when you're kicking the ball, when you're receiving the ball on a kickoff and you're more than three, four yards deep, it's not worth it anymore to even run it out because almost every single time there's some kind of penalty and you get backed up to start off right off the bat. So, <clears throat> excuse me, unless unless they're going to get it right at the goal line or outside, you know, in the playing field, I, I almost feel like they shouldn't return it. And then the penalties really showed out as far as the offensive line and stuff during a crucial time of the game. And that's when, you know, the Rams got to stop. They needed to take a lot of time off the clock and, you know, preferably drive down the field and score. And they got, they kept getting backed up in their own end zone. And there was just no way to overcome that. I mean, it's not often that you get to see a Robert Woods third and 33 play. So, you know, I think when, when the chargers had to put pressure on when they had to make a stop on the Rams, you know, they stepped it up a little bit. The Rams ended up holding and having a couple plays where they got penalized, backed them up deep. I don't think it's a problem that we have to worry about too much. I, I think overall we play a much cleaner game than we did during the Fisher area. So, you know, so I don't think there's a lot to worry about, but we've got to learn to stop those penalties at crucial points of the game. That's when it really hurts us. So guys, for me, my real issue with the game in terms of the Rams' performance, it's kind of kind of Jekyll and Hyde. I love the fact that this offense can just do whatever it wants. The only time the offense was ever stopped was when the Rams stopped themselves. But that's good stuff. Okay, but the mistakes bother me, especially in the third game of the season. It's not first game. It's not even second game. You've you've had two convincing victories. And then some of those bonehead mistakes, they bother me. But on the same token, is it not a testament to the talent in this team that they can overcome those mistakes? And they did. I just It just concerns me a little bit going into the Vikings game where you, you said they're going to be ticked off coming this game. And now your, your top two corners are possibly out. At least one of them will be out, I'm sure. And that the matchups the Vikings provide are, are tough. Well, I would, I would say that a lot of the mistakes that were made in the game, the, the Gurley fumbles all on Gurley. It was a nice tackle. He was carrying the ball the way he should. He had three points of contact, all that stuff. Uh, that was just a good defensive play. The interception, I'm going to put a little bit of that on McVay. Um, I, I know we're, we seem to be 
more of a pass first offense a lot of times, but when we're, when we're first, you know, first and goal from the five, I'd much rather see him run Gurley two or three times rather than throwing and throwing and throwing. I know it was third down on that play, but I just, to me, it's like when we're that close to the end zone, I'd much rather see him keep the ball on the ground. I'd, I'd rather get a field goal and, and get out of there rather than throw an interception. It worked out in the long run with the, the block punt and, you know, Corey Littleton getting in there and blocking it and, and all that. So we ended up saving ourselves on that, but I, I put a little bit of that on the coach too, for calling a play that, you know, it, it grew golf. Shouldn't have thrown it. McVeigh shouldn't have called it. That's kind of how I saw it. But overall, I think this team's still growing. There's still new players on the team. We're only in our second year. Sometimes, you know, with a lot of this group, sometimes it takes longer than that. I mean, you look at, you look at, you know, even at the high school level, your freshman team, they go out there, they start playing, you know, they look okay. They start getting better. Sophomore year, they're a little bit better. By the time they hit JV and varsity, they're, they're playing pretty good. And I think, you know, it takes a couple of years to get really gelled. And, you know, overall our offense is, is pretty well gelled. Obviously we put over 500 yards on the board. So I wouldn't say that we have too much to worry about there. And on defense, there's a lot of new players on this team. And now with injuries, there's a lot of another new players, you know, with Sam Shields and so forth coming in. So I'd say, you know, by week five, week six, that's when we're, that's when we're going to really know where we're at. But they overcame adversity in this game. Two major injuries, two starting corners out, you know, a couple of turnovers. This game could have gone a lot worse, and they still hung in there and played well. And that showed me their maturity. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with Norm. Uh, he said something early on, and, and I'm wondering if anyone else is picking up on it as well. Uh, I think Coach McVay has a little trick up his sleeve uh, for the rest of the league. You know, just watching these last, last couple games, he's got a definite plan because I think we all would agree if we fed the beast, Gurley, he might have 200, 250 yards in some of these games. I mean, they were – he was knocking off some runs even today, 8, 10, you know, 7 yards a crack. But it's almost as though – Instead of setting up the pass with the run, he's setting up the run with the pass. And I go, well, why would he do that? Oh, well, you know, in December, November, when the weather's getting bad, you're going to need that running game to be at top speed. So it's almost as like he's trying to preserve Gurley for when you really need him as opposed to using him up early on. Uh, so that kind of gets me a little excited that, hmm, that's a different approach that I don't know if these other teams are picking up on. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But there's times when Gurley, if you just kept giving him the ball, he would just be running over those guys. But it's almost as though he's really trying to preserve him for the end of the game. The other thing I think it is, is this is the third game. And with a lot of those guys really not playing preseason, this is now – the legs getting a little heavy, and now you're going to start getting into what we call game shape, fourth fourth game. We would always say. Uh, so I would expect after you know next week's game, uh, the a lot of the sloppiness aspect of things will start kind of cleaning itself up. I agree with you 100. percent All right, guys, good quick shout out to our sponsor, the Gold Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of our own in Orange County. 
And you like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis. And guess what? He kept the light on and it's done ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-7267 or Rams. Use a promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Gold Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. Folks, a visit to his shop It's like you're visiting the Rams Hall of Fame in terms of the stuff he's got there. One day when they have it, you can go visit that, but in the meantime... His barbershop takes the cake. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. He even made Sal look good. Sal even made Norm look good. And, I mean, I really needed him for this haircut. You guys can't see it right now, but it's pretty bad. So, there you go. All right. <laughs> Positives. Gentlemen, I'm going to go to Michael first. Michael, what did you think of the offense out there today? Uh, I think the offense is, is at the same time, even though it was some sloppiness, uh, the fact that they're able to make the adjustments, you know, look like they're trying to go deep, but then they start going underneath and uh, letting things develop for themselves. They went to the run game for a little bit and then set up the pass. We saw that big play to Cooper Cuff, uh, great catch and, you know, breakaway from him. So I think the offense has some versatility, but I'm also uh, well aware that, now teams are having tape on the last year Rams and now the this year Rams. So when you're kind of at the top of the hill, you know, everyone's going to try to play their best game against you if beating you is now going to thrust them into a momentum swing. So uh, you look at San Diego that may not have quote-unquote a pass rush, but, you know, the game was pretty tight really up until about the last, you know, six and a half, seven minutes. But I, I like what the offense is doing, you know, spreading it around. Uh, actually, two running backs are running well. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're doing a good job. I'd like to see them get the tight ends involved a little more. But, again, I think Coach McVay has something off the sleeve for later in the year. I like the subtle trash talking there, too. You call him San Diego. You don't even accept them as Los Angeles. You're just like San Diego. And we're, and I'm like, hmm, was that on purpose? I think so. <laughs> well, today was kind of a weird day in the NFL. And, you know, if you want to talk about teams gelling and, and so forth, you look at some of the scores around the league. You know, Washington beat Green Bay 31-17. Would have never saw that coming. Buffalo beats Minnesota 27 to 6. They had a 27 to nothing lead and totally dominated that game. Would have never seen that coming either. Tennessee beats Jacksonville at home. They beat you know, they beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Never would have saw that coming. You know, Cincy 2 and 0 looked like they were like they had all the answers. Carolina beats them 31-21. So, you know, Arizona was up 14 to nothing on Chicago, but then ended up losing 16 to 14 and we know how horrible Arizona is. So if you look at there's, there's really good teams across the league that still aren't quite gelling yet either. And so I'm not worried about where we're at right now, as far as our development, if we're putting up 500 yards in the third game and, you know, so far our defense has played really well today was an exception a little bit, 
given up as many yards as they did, but they still won the game and they still held them to less points than we got. So overall, I think you have to be happy with the performance. And, you know, I saw you post on Twitter that you're tired of hearing all the crap about Jared Goff being a system quarterback. Uh, some of the oh. throws Jared Goff made today uh, were incredible. Can, can uh, You got to let me make my, my – my, I've been waiting. I've been sitting on this all day, man. I have just been – I. <sighs> And guys, tell me if I'm just losing my mind here, but how many times have we heard even Tom Brady be called a system quarterback? Or I've heard people talk about Joe Montana being a system quarterback. I don't care if these guys are system quarterbacks or not. The fact of the matter is these guys win Super Bowls. They win Super Bowls. When when Matt Castle went in there to run the Patriots when, when Brady went down, did Matt Castle take a the Super Bowl? No. Yet we have Jared Goff, a guy who makes these throws. I, I can tell you what. I don't care if he's a system quarterback or not. All I know is he's our quarterback. He's a Rams quarterback, and he's making throws that the best quarterbacks in the league make. That's the bottom line. That throw to Higby, up in the air, on the shoulder, the throw to Woods, the throw, oh, the that, throw to Cup. The pressure throw to Cup when he was being rushed and just laid it right in there. Big-time quarterbacks make those throws. And I'm getting tired of even some Rams fans criticizing Goff on this, on what? Like, in my view, he's entering his second year, not his third year. He, he, what did he have? He had Jeff Fisher his first year. No one's good. No one does well under Jeff Fisher the first year. Nobody does. He just sat there and got beat up. So we've talked about that. I just look at what he did in this game, what he's been doing all year. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback last year. Cut the guy some slack. He's our quarterback. He's, he threw for over 350 yards. The graphic in the game, we've had, what, four quarterbacks in Rams history who have had back-to-back 350-yard games. Billy Waddy, Kurt Warner, Mark Bolger, and now Jared Goff. I'll take that. Me too. I'll take that. Mike, how do you feel? What are you seeing? You, you're, you're on the other side. You you look at things from a defensive back angle. What are you seeing from Goff? Well, it's, I think you're hitting on a great point. One is that anybody who plays a position in the NFL is going to do better in certain systems. So guys that are great, they get to be with an established team for a long time. Ben Roethlisberger with Pittsburgh, Brady, you know, damn Moreno and with the Ram, I mean Dolphins, uh, uh, Joe Montana for all the years, and so on and so forth. Yeah, if you're in the same system year in and year out, you have continuity, which means there's not a lot of change. So yeah, you can develop a lot of consistency across the board with your receivers, tight ends, alignment, you know, the whole shebang. So yeah, I mean, you know, everybody gets on Jeff Fisher, but when he was my D coordinator when I played. Uh, in 90 when he was there that was one of my best years in NFL playing in his 46 system i.e. the Buddy Ryan system so we all have a way of being somewhat better when certain skills match up with the way a coach or a defense or offense is going to match your skills to maximize the thing so that doesn't really bug me Uh, it's like Norm said when you see a guy make a throw in a certain situation to a certain guy to a certain part of the field under duress and he's looking down getting so hmm, that's a big time play and that's kind of what it boils down to is 
making those type of plays when it counts. And uh, just caution everybody, it's the NFL. Even the the teams that aren't doing well by record, you're playing against good players. And so they they go out, they have families, they're going to go out and play hard week in and week out. And so in the level, uh, even last year with an 0-16 Cleveland team, you can go back and look at a lot of those games. If a couple things went their way, they could have maybe been 8-8 eight eight even last year. So uh, we see a lot of good things. I like Norm you know, giving those stats to us in regards to all these teams and the scores because, again, it goes to show any given day any team can step up and hit it on all cylinders and they can beat the best of the best or what is presumed you know, the odds favorite for that day. So I'm I'm excited about what the, they're doing uh, on offense. A couple of notes too, and talking about the matchups and so on and so forth. I did a a a preview article for this last week's games for clutch points, and man, it's a mess. I I don't think I went 500 this week in my picks, and I'm usually pretty good with them. I'm usually pretty good with picks, and I'm sitting there going, man, I have just lost all credibility with my readers on this because. I look like a knucklehead. So there's that. Also coming up from Pro Football Talk, per source tests on on cornerback Marcus Peters, Achilles were negative. Achilles tests were negative. It's calf strain and MRI coming though. So that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Fingers crossed on that, guys. And um, well, we're getting ready to close up shop as well. And I'm not seeing anything else pass along on, on sleeve or anything, but we do want to give our stars the game. Mike, you're our guest of honor. I'll start with you. Who is your star of the game? Uh, I think my star of the game is going to be uh, – I'm going to go with a defensive guy, and it's Aqib Tlaib. And I say that because he, he calls a nice strip, but if you watch how he plays, uh, and sometimes a guy can get a few extra yards uh, – but when a guy's trying to rip the ball out, that can happen. But you got to just do it when, you know, you got your help coming so the guy doesn't escape and now it's a big play. But I like a key to leave, but uh, but probably easiest. I mean, Jared Goff, I think he had an outstanding game today. Norm? Yeah, I would go with Jared Goff on the offensive side for sure. Uh, he He didn't look like a rookie or a young quarterback. They kept calling him a rookie, which kind of ticked me off, but he's not a rookie anymore. But, uh, you know, they, they, they were kind of downplaying him. And then all of a sudden they kept, you know, all of a sudden he's 15, you know, 15 for 16 for 200 and something yards. And they finally had to say, Oh yeah, he's doing great. Uh, I I'd say Jared Goff, just the way he played with poise, uh, showed a lot of maturity out there, looked good in the pocket, made great decisions with the one exception of the interception, so for him on offense, I'm going to do that. I like Tlaib too, but I'm actually going to go with Corey Littleton just because there were a couple plays where uh, the Chargers could have busted it for a lot more, and he came clear across the field and stopped them, plus had that block punt. So I'll go for uh, Corey Littleton on defense. You stole my guy, man. Oh, my gosh. I had Corey <laughs> Littleton all locked and loaded. So I'm going to stick with him, though. Littleton, uh, you know, the linebackers had their issues today. It, there were some parts in there, especially in the middle of the field. We talked about that a little bit. But Littleton, when you needed him today, he was on point. That block punt was amazing. I mean, it, it, that was a serious block punt. That, that came with force and power. There was no way um, their, their punter was getting out of that. 
And I'm going to keep saying it, Jared Goff, Jared Goff, Jared Goff. All the Jared Goff doubters out there, he's got a different skill set than maybe a Patrick Mahomes does, but he's our quarterback, and the way he's playing right now, he's going to be in this league for a long time. It's just, it was a joy watching him throw the football today. It really was. It's the best game he's played in his career in terms of facing down pressure, moving the pocket, making the throws. I haven't seen a better game from him. The one interception, it happens, but everything else in there was the best I've seen him. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. All right, guys. So it's it's time to shut down here. We've uh, we've exhausted all things for right now. We'll be back on here in, in a couple days here to talk about the Vikings. We have a guest coming on for that from VikingsTerritory.com, and we're excited to have him. It's going to be a I think a crucial week for at least the Vikings, if not for us. So. Be good to know. Reach out to us at Rams Talk nineteen forty five. Release a voicemail at six five seven six 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 five four five three. If you want to sponsor us or are interested in sponsoring us, we are blowing up, guys. So come get a good deal now while you can. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We have a group Rams Talk room. Come join us there. We talk football all the time. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Norm. On Twitter at Norm Hightower. Don't forget us on iTunes. Oh, I gotta stop. Mike, Twitter's one Duke twenty three, right? That's it. That's it. You can find Michael Stewart on there as well. Always sharing some inspirational messages as well as talking Rams football. Two good mixtures right there. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Now we are officially on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, all those places. Hey, guys. It was a hard one. Rams win, 35-23. How you feeling? Good, man. Can't <laughs> wait till next week. Real good. Real good. Excited. I, I caught Norm off guard there. All right. For Norm Hightower, Michael Stewart, this is Derek C. Paula. You have a great day. Take it easy. Adios. I'll away, though. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.